Our scripture this morning comes from the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 7, beginning at verse 9. The New Testament book of Revelation, chapter 7, beginning at verse 9, where John has a glimpse into the celebration at the kingdom of heaven, near the throne room of God, where the people of God worship God. And John shares, After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white, with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders, and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me saying, Who are these robed in white? And where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one that knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God and worship Him day and night within His temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. And the sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life. And God, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word and for this privilege of studying it together. And now as I stand before these, your people, I pray that this would be your message and not my own through the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. This is one of my favorite Sundays, I have to admit, because it's, it's one of those times when we are called to, to pause. We're called to pause and, and, and to remember, just to give thanks to God for those who have touched our lives, for those who have helped to shape us. And make us who we are. All Saints Day is November 1st. All Hallows Day and All Hallows Eve is Halloween, which is on the 31st. But the church on the 1st has joined together to remember those who've gone before us. To, to remember those from our congregation who helped to, to make a difference in who we are. To, to help us be reminded of our faith. And we cherish their memories and we celebrate and give thanks to God for their lives and, and for the impact that they've had on our lives. This day is kind of one of those conflictual times. We are, we're sad on the one hand as we grieve the loss of someone we love. So there, there's a sense of, of somberness and pain that's deep within. While on the other hand, we are Easter people. We celebrate that Jesus Christ proclaimed victory over both sin and death 
and that our loved ones have not died, but yet are alive forevermore in the fullness of the kingdom of God. And so we join together and celebrate. It's an important time for us to pause and remember. I, I think sometimes we, we get way too busy. And this day calls on us to slow down just for a little bit and, and tell the stories. To remember our loved ones. To remember those who've gone before us. And to share their lives with those who may not have known them as well. Or just to share memories of those, with those who cherish them dearly. But I, I encourage you over lunch, sometime during the day, sometime during the week. Take some time and, and share stories as I was watching the pictures go up earlier and listening to all the names that have been called, I, I was giving thanks to God that I've had the privilege of being a part of, of their lives and that they've had the privilege, or they've had, I am privileged that they were part of my life to help mold and to help shape me. We need to tell those stories. I, I know we, during this time, every, every year I start thinking about my grandmother. I've told you many stories about her and one of my favorite pictures of our grandmothers is actually at, when Nancy and I were married. There's a picture of her grandmother, who was just this wonderful saint of a person, who, uh, you know, some, for some reason, maybe, you know, I, I don't know why, but she loved me dearly. And so when we would, it would be my birthday, she would make two apple pies. One was for us to eat together. The other one was to take home. But Nancy and I would go over to her house and, and, and she would have the apple pies. We'd sit there and cut the pies and have them together. And, and then my grandmother. My grandmother was one of those special people. She was the little short, round country grandma that always had the apron on who could, who could go to a refrigerator and, and within just a few minutes pull out a full-course meal. It was amazing how she could do that. My grandmother was one of those who didn't have a filter. That's some of the stories we tell. Remember when grandma said this? Remember when Grandma said that? I, I can remember being out in public places, with, and, and my grandmother would see somebody that was maybe dressed in a way or doing something that she didn't think was appropriate, and I can remember hearing my mother go, Mama, don't you say it. <laughs> Mama, don't. And before she could get the second one out, there it went. No filter whatsoever. But she was a special part of my life. There's a little snuff can in my office. Because Grandma dipped snuff. She had that little pinch right in here. We always used to love to get her to talk right about the time she put it in. Because we knew it hadn't soaked in yet and she would puff. And the little smoke signals would come out. And I remember as a kid sitting on that little country white house front porch. Watching the chickens in the yard as a little boy. And we had our little snuff can too. She mixed ours up with cocoa and sugar and, you know, that way when she dipped, we could dip. <laughs> we put our pinch between our cheek and gums as well. We didn't understand why she spit hers out. Ours was pretty good. <laughs> but my children were little. They don't really have the grandma stories. It's up to me and for Nancy to share the stories. Let me tell you about your great-grandmother. These are the days. This is a day that reminds us to pause a little bit and, and share those stories with the people we love. And, and not only family, but also friends. Just the other day, 
I, I had the privilege. I reached up in the cabinet and, and, and pulled out a coffee mug. And I, I love, we've, we've got the matching mugs. But I like the random mugs that people have given to us. And I just happened to pull out one I hadn't used in a long time. But it was a Lifesavers mug. Had the you know different candy stripes on it. Because, well, Susan gave us that. And Susan worked with RJR Nabisco. And I was reminded of Charlie and Susan and Charlie, who became one of our dearest friends, who now is one of the ones around the throne room, robed in white, singing praise to God. And it made me remember him. And to celebrate, we need to tell those stories, to celebrate their lives, the memories that we cherish, and to celebrate their faith. You see, it's in a time like this, and in a, a time when we've, we light a candle because we've experienced the pain of loss that we also grab hold of our faith and, and try to celebrate the victory over sin and death. And it's, it's not always the easiest thing to do because we want to hold on physically to the people that we love, but at the same time we celebrate that death is not the end but a new beginning in the fullness of God's kingdom. We, we grab hold of John 3.16 in a way we've never grabbed hold of it before. And, and we remember that God so loved each one of these. That he gave his only begotten son. So that if they would believe in him, they would never perish but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Robed in white around the throne of God. Celebrating praise. We celebrate our faith. We wonder what heaven is like. We Try to picture what it will be. We reach over to John chapter 14 where John tells us there as well that, that Jesus told us in, in my father's house there are many rooms. You've heard me share before that, that I grew up hearing that as mansions. But as you study the Greek and look at it, it's not in my father's house are many mansions. It's actually in my father's house are many rooms. Because that's, that's the way the culture was as you added on as the family grew. We're not God's neighbors in the kingdom of heaven. We're God's family. We don't live down the street from God. We live with God. We get to sit at God's table and celebrate. We get this glimpse of Revelation here in Revelation 7. I, it's one of my favorite books. I love the book of Revelation. And it's sad that, that the book of Revelation over the last many years has been kind of hijacked and, and kind of turned into this horror story that so many people go, I'd like to learn Revelation, but I'm scared of Revelation. Revelation was not meant to be something to be afraid of. It was actually meant to be a message of hope. A message of hope to a people that were being persecuted and going through horrible times. When Revelation was written, the people of God were being persecuted. Earlier, there had been this Roman emperor by the name of Nero. And some of the things that Nero did were absolutely heinous. Hard to even begin to imagine. And the people thought it can't get any worse. It, it got worse. Later, there was this little arrogant emperor by the name of Domitian. And Domitian proved that, that, that what Nero did was just a taste of what he could do to the church. What he could do to Christians. And he was cruel and he commanded as well in his arrogance that everybody refer to him as our Lord and our God. Can you imagine if we had a political leader today pass an edict that says, You must call me your Lord and God. 
And so when the people of God wouldn't bow to that, they experienced cruel persecution. And the message of Revelation is to hang on. Keep your faith, be strong, and God will provide. Revelation was written in 95, Domitian's removed in 96. Hold on, God's not done yet. I love the scripture, this glimpse that we get around the throne of God. Why? Well, it says there's a multitude of people, so many that you couldn't even begin to count. Remember when God called Abraham and established the covenant? He said, I will make your descendants great. There will be, there will be so many you can't even count them. More numerous than the stars in the sky or, or the grains of sand. You'll have descendants. Here we get a glimpse around the throne of God. So many people you can't even count them. And who are they? Well, they're made up from every nation. Every tribe. Every people. I mean, I, I just love that image that... That finally in the fullness of God's kingdom, all these kind of barriers that, that we put around ourselves for some odd reason are removed. And, and we recognize that we're all brothers and sisters in Christ. We're all family. We're all one. And, and so every nation, every tribe, every language, we're all together around the throne celebrating our God as family. And there on the throne is God himself. And right beside of him is the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ. We're told that all this multitude, they're robed in white. Why? Well, Revelation is apocalyptic literature. That means it's very symbolic literature. And white is a symbol of cleansing. They have been cleansed by God. Been made pure. Been made whole. And there they stand before the throne of God and they're waving palm branches. Do you, you remember that? Remember the palm branches? Remember when Jesus came riding into Jerusalem and the people were waving palm branches going, you're our king, save us now. You're our king, save us now. Hosanna. And now they stand along the throne of God and said, you are our king and you saved us. Praise God. You are our king. And they sang praise to God. Salvation belongs to God who's seated on the throne and to the lamb. Oh, I can just kind of picture what the worship in heaven is like. I mean, you know, we, we've had a, a, a little taste of some different kind of worship today. Imagine what it's like around the throne of God. I, I remember my very first foreign mission trip when I was younger in my ministry. It was to Guatemala, and we landed in Guatemala City, and we went about three hours on a bus ride with one headlight to Momostenango. Little village where we met the people, worked together building a building, Sunday morning came. The walls weren't even finished. There was no roof over the building. We still joined together had church. I was amazed at how they worshiped. The passion, the energy, the love of God. And, and even though I didn't understand everything that was being said because my, my Spanish was very bad, I knew we were worshiping God together. We were worshiping God together. I remember when we were in Costa Rica with this church and we were building the buildings and working on some things. I, I remember we joined together to worship and there was a little boy got on the drum set. He could barely sit on the seat and reach the pedal for the bass drum. But he tore it up. And we worshiped God. And I remember Miss Flo, one of the saints in that church, long gray hair, worshiping and praising God. And I remember when we were in Kenya... And we went out to the Samburu, way out in the villages. And sometimes we were in huts and sometimes we were in churches, but we're in ministry together with them and their partnership with our church here. And, and I remember as, as we started worshiping God, the, the people started dancing and moving. And many of them had on the necklaces. And as they would dance, 
the necklaces began to move. And I didn't understand everything that was said. It was a different language, but I knew we were together worshiping God. It was amazing. It was powerful. And I could go on and on, whether it's Bulgaria, when I didn't understand what was being said, but we were worshiping together, or when you're in Israel and you're in some of those holy sites and you hear the reverberations in those sacred places, I started imagining what worship in heaven must be like. Here we get a glimpse, the angels around the throne and the 24 elders representing the 12 tribes of Israel and the 12 disciples all together, and, and they're worshiping and praising God completely. Did you notice when they worship God, they gave seven different accolades to God? Why? Because again, Revelation's apocalyptic, and, and everything in here is very symbolic, and seven is a number of completeness. The days of creation and the days of the week is seven, and and so they, they share blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to God forever and ever. All blessing belongs to God. Complete blessing belongs to God. Amen and amen. And the elder looks and goes, do you know who all these people are? And John said, well, you know who they are. And the elder said, well, these are those who remain faithful. These are those who confess their faith. These are those who, in spite of what was happening in their lives around them, knew that I was their God. These are those. 1 John 1, verse 7, reminds us that if we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his Son cleanses us from all our sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The elder said, these are those who've been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. They've been washed white, cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. And the elder looked at John and said, for this reason, they are before the throne of God. You want a glimpse? Before the throne of God. And they worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who's seated on the throne, God himself will shelter them. They will hunger no more. They will thirst no more. The sun will not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb, Jesus Christ, at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And he will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. One of my favorite songs is the song we began our worship with this morning. For all the saints who from their labors rest, who thee, by faith, before the world confess, thy name, O Jesus, be forever blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We celebrate, though, that our loved ones are still alive in the fullness of the kingdom of God. We are Easter people. The grave is not the end. One of the things that we do as we conclude one of our services is that, that I often share that as the senior pastor of the Weddington United Methodist Church, we transfer the church membership of these folks from the Weddington United Methodist Church to the church triumphant in the fullness of the kingdom of God. Because they're still worshiping God 
today. So then verse 4. O blessed communion, O fellowship divine, we feebly struggle, but they in glory shine. Yet all are one in thee, for all are thine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Today we have the privilege of coming to this table and getting a taste of the kingdom of God. Our loved ones, the fullness of the kingdom of God. But today, today we have this opportunity that we join together at the same table. Yes, a veil in between us, but we too join together at the table of God as the people of God to worship God together with all the saints.